I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. In this chapter, we continue with these uh, Proverbs-like statements that he started in chapter 10. And of course, we have seen from the beginning of the book through uh the place where we are so far into the end, we'll see it all the way through, that the word vanity and vexation of spirit, vanity, emptiness, meaningless, worthlessness, vexation of spirit, grasping at the winds, and then the phrase under the sun, without God. It's meaningless without God. Life is meaningless without God. And Solomon is showing us just how half-heartedness can mess you up. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You cannot try to be half-hearted for Christ. You can't put one foot in for him and one foot in for the world. It just doesn't work. And Solomon found that out. And he looks at everything under the sun and he comes away discouraged. Then once in a while, he'll go back to that wisdom that he got from God and get away from man's wisdom and say some things that should have helped him get back in track. But for some reason, he go right back to under the sun. Now he gets into chapter number 11, and uh, it's going to bring us up to chapter 12, which ends the book, which has a conclusion. And he kind of sums it all up. And basically, when we get to chapter 12, you're going to see that the first and the last, next to the last verse are the two main keys that if he had got that from the very beginning, there had been no need for all that futileness in between. You realize that between now where you're at and where you started in this rut you're in to when you finally get out, it would have been all taken care of if you just would have obeyed the imperatives of God, which Solomon is going to give in chapter 12. But he starts out, and we're going to look at four things, and he's going to conclude these pithy statements in verse number 10. The first thing he deals with here is charity, which is giving. And charity really is uh, a translation of the word agape in the Greek, which is a giving love. We use the word charity to mean when we give to somebody or an organization or something that uh, needs help. But uh, the word charity really in the Bible has the idea of being hospitable, of showing uh, that hospitality, which, by the way, uh, is part of the Christian life. When James said, you know, if you see a brother that is, or a sister, and they're naked and destitute of daily food, and, and you say to them, you know, like, be warm, be filled, have a good day, hope you're okay. And he said, yet you give them not those things which are needful for the body, what does it profit? What good is it 
if you do something like that when it's meaningless showing hospitality and he says in verse 1 cast thy bread upon the waters for thou shalt find it in or find it after many days give a portion to seven and also to eight for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth when we look at these two things let's look at look at the first one cast thy bread give it give it away that's that's the idea here you will find it after many days you know what he's saying here he's actually giving the law of sowing and reaping that's exactly what's going on here the law of sowing and reaping when we look at the law of sowing and reaping we think of i think of two particular passages they're both in the new testament galatians 6 verses 7 through 9 and 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. We'll look at that one in a minute. Right now we're going to look at Galatians. Be not deceived. Oh, don't be, don't you be seduced or misled. Mm -mm. Don't you be twisted up by something. God is not mocked. You can mock at God, but he's not being mocked, okay? You can think you're mocking him, but he's got a little bit of a law going on there. It's called sowing and reaping. He said, God's not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. What you are sowing is going to come back upon you. Exactly what we're sitting here when we say, cast thy bread upon the waters, you shall find it after many days. It's going to come back to you. As you give it out, so will it come back. And so while we are under grace in the New Testament, there is a New Testament law that actually uh, is still in place from the Old Testament, and that's the law of sowing and reaping. Do not be seduced. Do not be led astray. Do not be deceived. Stop it. Don't let it happen. It's an imperative. Don't do it. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. We need to be careful. Uh, the word mock there, by the way, means to turn the nose up at God. You can mock God. You can turn your nose up at him but you will not make a fool of him. And by the way, that's another key phrase and words there in the book of Ecclesiastes, folly, fool, and foolishness. You can, you can make a mock of God all you want to, but you will not make a fool out of him. And one day you're going to beg him for mercy, but it's going to be too late if you don't get saved. The lesson to learn is be careful what you do, what you say, and how you act towards God. Now, the law is simple, and I'm going to put it very distinct because of time. You sow a little, you reap a lot. You always reap more than you sow. You always reap later than you sow. You reap exactly what you sow, good or bad, flesh or spirit. Now, when you think about that, the, the farmer has long patience. He puts the seed in the ground. He knows what he planted, so he knows what's going to come up. And he's sowed it. And he's put it in the ground, and he's doing all the things that need to be taken care of. He's praying for the rains and all that. And down the road, that little bit of seed is going to reap into a harvest, a crop of whatever it was that he planted. And it's going to be a whole lot more than that seed he put in the ground. When you sow the good things, it'll come back to you. It'll come back a whole lot bigger. In fact, the second part of it is that it comes back much bigger than what it sent out because God enjoys blessing those who give. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. 
and then you reap later than you sow. Now, think about that. You, you don't get it right away. It'll come back to you later. But here's the thing. If you sow a little seed of sin, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump, you will reap. You say, oh, I got away with that. No, you didn't. You'll reap. It's coming. And just keep on sinning and saying everything's okay. It's going to come back. And then you're going to sow down the road. And guess what? You're going to sow. Uh, you're going to reap a whole lot more than what you sowed. It's going to come back a whole lot worse than it went out. And so whatever you put out, be aware, it's going to come back to you. Be careful. The Bible talks about having long patience. Don't grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says there in Galatians 6. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If we will sow the right things, we can hang on with patience, not grow weary, because it is going to happen, and we can look forward to it. If it's a bad thing, I don't want to look forward to it. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. It's not going to be good. Well, when we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6, Paul put it this way, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Again, giving is not something, it's not charitable giving in the sense of charity, agape, when it's given from a stingy heart, when it's given from a grieving heart, when it's given from a reluctant heart. It's only when it comes from a cheerful heart. God loves a cheerful giver. It's kind of funny because the word there, cheerful, in the Greek is hilarious, from which we get our word hilarious. Uh, I don't know too many people that, that get real excited and just thrilled to death and to give. And uh, I can tell you, growing up as a, as a child, as a little boy, uh, I, was, uh, I was a saver. And uh, as a young boy, probably uh, seven, eight years old, I had a lawn business and a of course, we were, grew up in South Florida, which is just home, 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 going down the street, across the street, turn the street. There's a, so within walking distance were a ton of homes. And for five bucks a lawn, I cut quarter-acre lawns and uh, made some money as a kid. And uh, I would count my money at night. And my, one day, my dad kind of looked in and saw my money, which wasn't a lot probably to him. But he went, hey, you got quite a bit of money. Maybe I ought to borrow some. And I grabbed that, put it in my pocket, said, no, it's my money. And he called me stingy. I didn't like it, but it was the truth. But when I got saved and God started working on my heart, boy, I tell you what, he changed me. And I, I gave because it was the right thing to do. Then I gave because it was the thing I wanted to do. And I can't tell you how many times I have wanted to give. And God said, no, it's not your time or term. But I've looked at God and said, I don't have the money to give that. But if you tell me I can, I'll, I'll find a way to do it. You open the door, I'll do it because I, I love to give. But if you're going to sow sparingly, you're going to reap it back sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap it back bountifully. But here's the key. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. As you choose inside of you, as you have your purpose of why you give, then you give with the right purpose, not grudgingly. There's the way to give. Not grud Cast your bed upon the water. Do it. Just throw it out there. Because God said, not grudgingly, people. 
not out of a uh, spirit. And he said, not only that, and or of necessity. Yeah, I've got to do it. It's part of what Christians do. So, I, yeah, I'll do this. No, he says, don't do it for any of those reasons because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, in Ecclesiastes 1, he goes on to the second part. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be on the earth. So he's not telling you to give, cast thy bread, and it'll come back. But he's saying, give extensively. Give a generous portion. And give a generous portion with a generous heart. Don't be greedy or stingy, because our opportunity for well-doing is uncertain. Thou knowest not the evil that shall be upon the earth. Here we find ourselves saying that our hospitality should extend out and reach out to people because there is there are needs that need to be met and there are things that need to be done. And so we need to make sure that we are those who are actually trying to mind God's word and God's will and see what it is that he wants us to do. Now, I've heard some people take this verse and say, you know, uh, this is a good application to diversify your uh, assets. Just don't put all your eggs in one basket. Okay, now, I will agree with that under one condition, and, and that is that uh, you are putting all your eggs in God's basket. Everything is about him, and then you're asking him where to give. But let's start with what is known. We know we ought to give to our local church. That's where we attend. And that's the place we should be investing in because that's where we're getting fed. And we should be investing there because our pastor is feeding us and we have a place to bring people that can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and have lost souls saved. We can go in there, but then we can have faith promise missions in the church and send it beyond that church through our faith promise missions. But as we support all of that in our church, then there are things that come up around about us that we can, and that kind of diversity I can see. But to, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket, and that's God's basket. I'll put my money anywhere he tells me to put it so long as I know it's God's will. I'm not afraid to do that. But I'm not going to do it at the expense of my local church because that's where I attend, and they deserve to have I don't mean they deserve it in the sense that we are, any of us deserve anything. I mean that is part of how God takes care of the church. And if every member gave like they should give, no church would hurt for finances whatsoever. So give, because you don't know when your opportunity for giving may be impacted for what evil shall be on the earth. The first two verses deal with charity. Now, we come down... And the next set of verses, we look at verse number 3 through 6, and we see circumstances. Circumstances. And we look at circumstances, and we look at them sometimes through the lens of, oh, I'm okay under the circumstances. And you've probably heard people say, well, what are you doing underneath them? Get up from underneath them. Get out. But there are circumstances of life. And basically, what circumstances really are is just God's providential dealings. Things happen on a daily basis that God will use to providentially help us in our day. 
And I find it interesting many, many times when God will tell me to do something and it doesn't seem like that's possible, but then he'll set up my day circumstantially. Things will happen and, I, and I'll see, wow, God opened every door for me to do exactly what he asked me to do. As a young teenager, when I got saved, the church that I grew up in, the pastor said, get up every morning get on your knees, pray, ask God to help you through the new day, to get you ready to meet the challenges of the day, to have your eyes open to the alerts of the day, and then open your Bible, read it, and read your devotions. And when God gives you a verse or something that leaps up out of you, write that verse and what he gave you on a card and take it with you. Somewhere in your day, in your circumstances of the day, as things happen, that verse, that card that you got from your devotions will help you through that situation. I can't tell you how right he was. I thought that was like crazy, but God is so good at doing all of that. So he gives us some illustrations in verses 3 through 5, and he gives us some instruction in verse 6. He says, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all, dealing with these things that God's providence, these circumstances. You know what he says here is kind of interesting. He says, if the clouds be full. Well, that's God's cycle. There, I find it interesting that God has a hydrologic cycle. We see the wisdom of God in creating that cycle. We see the grace of God in getting us the rain. Amen. He made the cycle because we must have water to drink. We must have water for the plants to grow for the food that we eat. We have to have water. And he's got a cycle. Thank God for his creative awesomeness. But thank God for his grace that he allows them to empty themselves upon the earth. He's saying, listen, there's things that happen and they do. And if the rain comes down, you're thankful for the rain because it helps things to grow. It brings the water that you need. You may not like the circumstance of it at the time, but it's for the good. And if a tree falls wherever it lands, it's not going anywhere. It can't change directions. When you take a look at something like that, you ever ask yourself, uh, like, duh, that's obvious. I mean, come on, how can that be anything else but obvious? Well, what he's saying here is there are some things in life we can't change. When they happen, they happen. The tree goes down, there it is. I've walked the woods. I've walked the mountains. I've walked the trails. And uh, I've walked some trails uh, back in the day. Uh, multiple times. I had some of my, I had some favorite trails that I like to do. I could, I could start on a Saturday morning and go up, have my prayer time on top, and then come back down and get home and get there, you know, by three, four o'clock in the evening. But you know what? I go, there's that tree. There's that long, I, I had some markers that told me where I was. And a lot of it was, there's that full tree and that tree had an odd shape. There it is there. And it was my marker. It's been laying there for who knows how long. But I've been walking the mountains for so many years. There it is. Where it fell, that's where it stays. They can't, it can't change its circumstances. It can't change where it is. And you and I, we cannot change our circumstances. We cannot change where we are. 
but he gives us instructions on what to do in our circumstances. Ready? In the morning, sow thy seed. We're going back and bringing in on this giving that we're going to take and do what we're supposed to do. Sow thy seed, and in the evening, withhold not thy hand. Okay? So in the morning, get up and start working. And what it means, and in the evening, hold not thy hand, it means keep on working until you get to the nighttime. Start, go to work, and watch God work. Just God will be in the circumstance. Just go and keep on because you don't know what God's going to do with it. You don't know if God's going to bless it or not. You don't know if it'll prosper. You have no idea. Don't worry about it. God said we will reap if we faint not. So you may not see it today, but get up and sow. Go to work. Work all day. Work hard. Hey, listen, Christian people ought to be the hardest working people on the planet. And I'm talking about working for their Savior. And I'm talking about when they work for their employer, that they are considered the best of employees because they have a work ethic and a work attitude that is second to none because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he turns to verses 7 and 8 where he talks about clarity, charity, circumstances, and clarity. And when I talk about clarity, I mean seeing, light versus darkness. Verse 7, truly light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun, the S-U-N. And I must say, light is a gift from God. We have the, the hydrological cycle and the waters, thank you, Lord. But we also have the sun, and God proportioned the earth perfectly, spins it perfectly, tilts it perfectly, which gives us day and night and seasons, and we're just enough distance that we don't burn up and we don't freeze. God had it all put together, and he gave us light. But let me tell you, when God on the first day created light, he did not create the sun, the moon, and the stars. No, sir. He created light, a different kind of light. And I thank God not only for the light of the S-U-N, I thank God for the light of the S-O-N because Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he is the one that we need to see. And the light needs to come on from the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to heaven. There's no other way but by him. And so the first thing, the earth was darkness, and it was void, and it was horrible. But God said, let there be light. And man was in darkness, and God said, let there be light. I'm sending my son to that earth to bring light. And then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That word light means the light source. Later on, he would say to his disciples, ye are the light of the world. And that word, there's a different word. It means the light carrier. It is the lamp, the lamp stand that carries the bulb and everything. But the power of that light is still the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply what it means is Christ is still the light, but we carry that light in us because the Lord Jesus Christ is in us. Because he says in verse 8, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them, all yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Basically, what he's saying here is simply this. Hang in there, because if you live many years, there will be days of darkness. And as you come to the end towards death, it'll get dark on this side, but you'll be a light on the other side. Solomon looked at death from a different viewpoint. And he said, all that cometh is vanity. It's empty. It's meaningless. 
as you get to the end of your life. In chapter 12, he's actually going to talk about the teeth, the grinders cease. And uh, when we get to that part, it's, it's going to remind you of getting old. But he was looking at it through the wrong lens and through the wrong eyes and through the wrong thinking and through the wrong uh, sphere. Because the darkness of death, the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through that dark place, thou art with me. You just got to decide, are you going to live under the sun, S-O-N, or S-U-N? Which one are you going to do? We see the clarity. And then verse 9, we see the cheer. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Now, the word rejoice means to be cheerful. It has the idea to be glad and joyful. But Solomon has something to say here that's kind of tricky. Because you get kind of excited. Okay, I'm, you say, okay, I'm going to listen to this. Rejoice, O young. Yeah, okay. In thy youth. Okay. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And walk in the ways of thine heart. That don't even sound right, does it? I want to walk in the ways of God's heart. And in the sight of thine eyes, colon, but. <laughs> there it is. Hang on. But know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Uh-oh. He said, listen, go ahead, rejoice, be glad, be cheerful. Let your heart cheer you. Walk and your own heart. See what you want to see, but know. By the way, that word know is imperative. He commands him. You better know this. The word know means discern, perceive, experience. Know that there's something going to come. You can live any way you want to, but judgment's coming. Judgment is coming my friend there is a judgment for lost people it's called the great white throne judgment and at that great white throne judgment there will be many that will look and wonder why they never trusted christ as savior and they will be told to depart then there's another judgment it's the judgment seat of christ that's for christians where we will be judged according to our works and not our sins thank god if we were judged for our sins, we'd be at the great white throne judgment with no hope. But we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, the reward seat. And we will receive that which we have done correctly because we did it with a good attitude and a right heart. And because the Lord told us to and we meant to, to wanted to. Yep. He says, there you go. Now he concludes this whole section. And he says, here's what you ought to do. Therefore, there's your conclusive word. Verse 10, therefore. Remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. He says, look, remove the lusts and the things of your life. Get rid of that, that fleshly heart of yours. Put away the evil of your flesh because when you live like that under the sun, S-U-M, it's empty and vain. You'll walk in the days of your youth. You'll walk the way that you're walking and you will be judged. It's a horrible way to walk. So remove all that. And get yourself not under the S-U-N, but with the S-O-N, and it'll all be different. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray you'll bless, you'll encourage, and you'll strengthen Christians. You'll bring lost people to you, and they will see their need for a Savior, the Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen and amen. Well, this is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely wonderful and awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. I 
precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.